Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicas.com. My name is Abhishek. This year has been the toughest in a century on many counts. According to one estimate, COVID-19 has rivaled the two world wars in terms of coverage and impact. This is the new year special issue in which Forbes India's authors, editors, writers, they talk about a bunch of things that have changed, including the new normal that we are all getting used to. It's only fitting that a bulk of this last podcast of 2020 will be about the unsung heroes of the pandemic who stood tall when it was needed. And joining me on the call to talk about their stories are the usual suspects, Manu Balachandran and Divya Shekhar. Hi guys, good evening. Good evening, Abhishek. Hi. New Year's special issues for magazines tend to be well-planned. What was the sort of uh, discussion that you had with your editors uh, when it came to putting this one together? So Abhishek, like you mentioned in your introduction, uh, 2020 has been a tough year on many counts. You know, it's a year in which a virus ran amok, killing millions of people and, you know, bringing life as we knew it to a standstill. And uh, we are entering 2021, and but we are still not out of the woods completely, right. even though we do have uh, hopes of uh, a vaccine candidate uh, getting approval, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So uh, this edition, uh, when we conceptualized it, it was in a sense to capture both the spirit of innovation that prevailed in India during the pandemic and also to take stock of and take to acknowledge all the various unsung heroes who have helped us through this pandemic, who have literally sort of uh, put their safety at stake to, to ensure that, you know, the rest of us are comfortable and safe as we stayed home during the lockdown and after. Entrepreneurs who have tweaked their business models to turn out ventilators or um, PPEs, etc., and repurpose mm. everything, you know, that they work with to, to ensure that it's used for COVID-19 relief. And we, we, are, we are talking about, for example, business founders who pivoted their existing models to, to beat severe conditions that have uh, right. emerged in the wake of the pandemic. And also, of course, we also touch upon uh, vaccine development and companies at the forefront. Talking about vaccines, you and Manu have uh, written a bunch of stories, including the cover that you had done uh, last time around. And sticking to the field of uh, medicine, Manu, you've done a story on Dr. Santosh Kumar, who uh, hails from Kerala. He has worked in about 40 countries. Uh, He's had experience in uh, fighting a pandemic elsewhere in Syria, uh, Leon, when uh, the Ebola outbreak had hit the country. So what is his story? Santosh Kumar is only representative of, you know, the entire community of doctors. I'd read about him. I'd known about him while I was in Kerala, you know, during the lockdown as well. He is somebody who has been leading, you know, and Kerala, you know, at least in the initial days of the of the pandemic, was highly praised for the way it had handled the COVID-19 cases. It was the first state where uh, the COVID-19 case was reported. Dr. Santosh is actually in Trivandrum. Trivandrum Medical College is one of the finest and the most prestigious uh, medical facilities in, in Kerala and across India. Since the time this had hit, uh, in the initial days, of course, he had set up the facilities within Trivandrum. They had some sort of experience when the Nipah virus had hit Kerala. They knew the whole concept of, you know, I mean, of dealing with quarantines and, you know, making sure that people are separated, you know, having a separate facility all together within the campus to deal with this crisis. He had been to about 40 countries, as he says in the story, uh, you know, whether it's in Syria or Sierra Leone or, um, you know, I mean, where, where Ebola viruses had hit. 
Um, so soon after that, Dr. Santosh was tasked with going to Kasargod, which is, uh, you know, the northern part of uh, Kerala. That is where cases had been on very high end. At that point, it must have been about 200 cases a day. Mm. Uh, so he led a task force from Trivandrum. They went there, they converted an administrative block of, a, of an existing hospital into a COVID-19 facility. And that was also the time when Karnataka had sealed its borders. So a lot of people who stay in Kasargod, it usually used to go to Mangalore for treatment, but immediately overnight, Kerala government had to make sure that there was adequate facility within that part. Because they had managed to do this, they were called to Bombay where cases had been on such high. So yeah, I mean, these are people who worked tirelessly uh, over the past few months. Uh, they didn't bother, you know, about their own families. They wouldn't see their families for a very long time. But despite that, they went, you know, I mean, executed all of this. He's only representative of the community of doctors who worked day in and day out. Indeed. And uh, you also write that he himself showed signs or had contracted the virus, but I think he worked through it because it may not have been diagnosed in time and he's back in action yet yeah. again. The other day I was speaking with a surgeon asking him whether he's overworked and he said that no, surgeons are a, are a bit of an exception, he was suggesting, and it's the physicians who have been overworked and they've been, as you said, working tirelessly. When one batch of physicians are diagnosed, let's say, in the line of duty with COVID-19, the next batch is ready, even if they are from a different department. One could be a dermatologist, but then you need to keep the supply going to tackle with the cases that India has at hand. What needs to be appreciated is the fact that they're doing this voluntarily. Indeed. My own mother is a gynecologist and I've, ah. I've seen her work every single day. I never saw her quarantine or anything like that. So, yeah. <laughs> Doctors, uh, nurses, uh, teachers or the self-help groups that Divya, you've written about, they're all immune now or yeah. they were immune to it probably in the first week when it struck because they went about their lives as if uh, nothing had happened. Moving on to that one, Divya, you've in that light written about two individuals, again, as Manu says, representative of a larger segment of uh, population, Gayatri Devi and uh, Bhagirathi, part of self-help groups who helped open bank accounts in uh, Naxal-affected yeah. villages in Jharkhand. And it was uninterrupted even during the pandemic. Is that right? Yeah. Women self-help groups, they've been silent workers. There are around 68 women who are part of self-help groups in India. And when the government needed their help, they really stepped up to make, you know, more than 16.7 crore masks, 53 lakh personal protective equipment, wow. more than 51 lakh liters of sanitizers. They ran community kitchens for the migrant workers who were returning to villages. For example... Gayatri Devi's case, a lot of people when the lockdowns were announced, they, they panicked about whether they'll be able to access money from their banks. If the government has announced certain uh, schemes for them, uh, some of them even feared that if uh, the money was credited to their account, if they don't withdraw it soon enough, you know, the government might take the money back right. or various kinds of so she actually worked with them, you know, helping people to open bank accounts in these remote villages so that they can avail of uh, specific uh, schemes that the government has. She taught them how to transact, apply for, you know, I think loans or insurance to, you know, be safe or get back on their feet. She even helped them understand the entries in their passbook as to, you know, right. why was money 
credited why is money credited you know and sometimes even help them recharge their phones so small small things like this and she also helped track about 55 migrant workers in jharkhand you know taking constant mm. updates about their health their job and their financial status recording all that data in an app and sending it to the government and uh, all of this was done voluntarily you know at no yep. cost and bhagirathi in in uh, kerala uh, yes. she heads 19 units in palakkad that produce nutrimix which is like a food supplement for kids she says you know even though schools and anganwadis were shut food that is meant for children especially children from vulnerable backgrounds it has right. to reach them no matter what so throughout the lockdown they ensured that they kept the supply of nutrimix going and they produced that supplement and they reached it through anganwadis from where it was picked up by parents for kids and things like that there is this massive human machinery in different segments that are uh, helping us rid the scourge in some way or the other it could be uh, even the litter pickers uh, for that matter who've uh, not uh, taken a break since day 0 because somebody needs to come and do the dirty work of taking your uh, uh, trash cans out and uh, dumping Absolutely. them where they need to be and right until the doctors who save lives and in the same vein manu you've written about this other very popular group of workers that we've grown up to even in school was asha workers over 1 million of them in india they've never been more important than today absolutely yes uh, we've got about a million asha workers uh, abhishek and uh, the foot soldiers who would be at your houses right. cross checking you know whether all your family members are safe they would cross check if they ha- if you have any sort of comorbidities make a register of that uh, and another thing that they pointed out uh, during the course of the conversation we had with uh, two of the asha workers is that there were a lot of you know while we talk from the comfort that you know we've got our family around you know our friends around there are a lot of people who are lonely and somebody needed to go there and check you know if they've got adequate medicines if you know right. this could be people palliative cares also whether they are being you know sufficiently taken care of if their requirements have been met and nasha workers would do that and of course they are the first line of defense because they have to go to each of these houses where people are quarantined they've got to check if people are following quarantine if they have it they have to inform you know the local authorities and the police officers and then you know get them to sort of enforce these quarantines getting medicines for people who are in quarantine sometimes they would spend their own money going to medical stores buy those medicines give mm. it back and then wait in 15 days till the other person recovers and then goes to repay that money this is despite uh, the fact that you write manu that it shouldn't have to be this way but they are not paid enough commensurate with the kind of work that they do yes and i think that's something that uh, one of you know i mean vinimol had mentioned uh, she said look uh, at at the government service mm. uh, at the lowest level you know uh, people make about 23000 rupees i know this as the number for care life varies from state to state but that is actually very very uh, minimal pay you know con- considering the amount of work that these people do because they're running in day in and day out and they've usually been given a certain area so that means say about a thousand houses they've got to go to each of those houses sometimes you could be on one end of the particular area you'll get a call from the other end and they've got to take their auto or you know their bikes and these are all expenses that they incur but they do it because they feel that's that's their sort of calling and they want to do it uh, like somebody had mentioned you know uh, that you know they felt so happy despite not being paid so much and when they see people thanking them for their work and you know telling them that god will bless them that that gives them a certain amount of joy then more than what money can buy another segment of uh, the industry was that of uh, postal workers 
I don't think uh, anyone really uh, gave it a second thought to it. Divya, you've written uh, on them. Is uh, we have one lakh fifty six thousand six hundred post offices, and uh, during the pandemic, it was uh, a delivery of PPE kits, uh, even your important government papers, uh, and sometimes even cash, which had to be ferried. The network of last mile connectivity that India Post or the public postal services, uh, the connectivity that they have, it it enables to actually deliver a lot of essentials and articles to the remotest corners of the country, and that especially became important when all other means of you know delivering articles was. shut during the right. lockdown you know options were severely limited so all of them were just given like basic training and hygiene precautions and you know they they just went out there a lot of them had a very close experience with death and loss and you know right. for them it was a job and it was uh, a job that they loved doing it's, so it's amazing how they talk about their job so passionately Yeah, like for example, uh, you know, our colleague Nandika has written about teachers who worked during the lockdown, and she talks about the school in Gujarat mm. where schools couldn't be functional, and not all children in rural areas have access to internet and smartphones. So what do you do? You can't stop children's education just because they don't have internet connectivity. So this. particular school i think the teachers installed 20 loudspeakers across the village and wow. every morning teachers would take turns to take lessons on the loudspeakers and these loudspeakers the kids could either uh, learn from their own homes or come out to some public area like a compound or park or something and just sit there and learn and there was something so sweet that uh, the vice principal uh, said that you know every once in a while it was very difficult to ascertain if kids are paying attention mm. or they are interested so they would call out one one kids name <laughs> you know just to get that reaction and just to keep them interested and ensure that they don't lose out on their studies oh. when we talk about innovation and we talk about businesses this section of unsung heroes kept themselves motivated and you know yeah. found so many different ways to battle uh, all the challenges and just you know keep doing their that's job a, that's a beautiful story uh, more recently uh, it was ranjit disle who won the teacher of the year award or the world's most exceptional teacher he was from solapur and uh, he mentioned in an interview with stephen fry that uh, the qr code model so he would stick a qr code to the textbooks uh, you could scan them and get uh, powerpoint presentations and content in your mother tongue some 16 to 20 lakh students in maharashtra uh, studied in that way during the lockdown i think the reaction uh, when he won that award uh, it was very really heartwarming and i think that went viral uh, indeed across yes it was yeah. possibly the the sweetest and the most innocent of uh, celebrations where stephen fry had to bring him back hey come on let's let's carry on with the interview yep and and, <laughs> and a well well deserved one obviously and he also chose to give away half of his million dollars to the rest of the nine uh, teachers who were competing with him they are i think cut from a different cloth uh, the stories that you uh, you guys have uh, put together the whole package is filled with uh, fascinating stories like these on that note uh, divya and manu we will wrap this one up and we urge all our listeners to pick this issue up and uh, read more such essays on uh, those who should be talked about more than what they are usually and also about companies and other folks who uh, change their lives Uh, during the pandemic including uh, there are two fun stories that you guys have done one about how divya you now wash uh, utensils by yourself by listening to podcasts and manu you've done webinars with ceos uh, 
with certain interesting uh, sartorial choices of your own with a suit <laughs> on top a tie but uh, a bermuda of your choice at the bottom so so it, it's not it's not all uh, gloom doom and uh, grim stories and divya manu and all listeners uh, a very happy new year Thank happy you. happy new year we believe you know the astrazeneca vaccine could be in india very soon so we look forward to read about that from the two of you once that is out fingers crossed we need vaccine more than ever definitely happy new year to you too thank you all you listeners you can get this podcast on forbesindia.com as well as on uh, stitcher spotify google podcasts and itunes and to have someone call you for a forbes india subscription message forbes to 51818 and also look for other podcasts from uh, forbes india there's one called teenpreneur an interview series with young entrepreneurs and we also have from the bookshelf of forbes india conversations about business economics and books